Before we get started with this next episode, if you'd like to support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm forward slash Lilith's Left Hand. There are links for the new website, lilithsleftthand.com, where you can follow the blog and any other happenings at Lilith's Left Hand. You can share on various social media through the Anchor site, and please consider subscribing there at any of your favorite podcatchers and rate and review us if the opportunity exists for you anything you can do to support the show would be greatly appreciated take good care of yourself Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Lilith's Left Hand Podcast. And joining you today is me, your co-host, Jessica, and Emma. Hello. How are you? I am good, Emma. I'm really excited because we have our first guest. (laughs) (laughs) We're really excited. We've been wanting to get some guests on here, uh, but we... We had so many things that we wanted to talk over first. Yes. And now we're getting to the part where we get to talk with a lot of other awesome yeah. people. Yeah, because I feel like people know, you know, we've talked about ourselves quite a lot. <laughs> and I feel people know yes. what Lilith's Left Hand is all about. And, you know, and now it's time to open our arms and welcome in a wider community. Yes, we're really excited to have our first guest, Ivy Bromius, on today. She is a project management professional, witch, and tarot reader that has a website that I really like. It's circlethrace.com. And she recently came out with a cancer grimoire, and it is free on her website. And so we wanted to have her on to talk about this. So hi, 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 Ivy. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And we appreciate you coming on. We're so excited. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ivy, how are you? Uh, are you excited about the rain? I I need to be excited. I am actually excited about the rain. <laughs> it seems really like not good magic to crap on the rain when we've had months and months of really dry, on fire kind of weather. So from a magical standpoint, I love the rain. But I honestly really do enjoy rain so it's just it's just it's been gushing all night yeah it's really exciting because ivy is also in on the west coast in oregon and we have had um you know some some fiery weather um some really dry times and so i i i have been so excited and waiting like looking at my phone, looking at the weather, trying to see when will it start? When will it start? And as soon as it's, I mean, this is a crazy start for the rain. I'm really excited. Well, in the UK, it's been quite warm, unseasonably warm. Well, I'm hoping that um, fall weather of this rainy weather and this gray, gray color is here to stay. I'm, I'm kind of over. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. I'm into. I'm I'm ready for that North, like Pacific Northwest feel. 
where we're like, it's always raining. Ivy, I'm so glad that you came to talk about your grimoire. Uh, I love that it is free online. Uh, my mother, a couple years ago, went through a series of cancer treatments for breast cancer. And so I, while I was reading it, I was really fascinated by the connection of some of the stuff that she was had gone through. Um, so can you tell us more about the scrimoire? Right. So um, 2020 was kind of a crazy year for everyone, right? I mean, yes. you know, lockdowns, uh-huh. pandemic craziness. But for me, there was some bonus craziness because early in the in the year, in fact, the, the very week of lockdown, I had a kind of a pulled a rib, nothing major. And then it hurt and there was kind of a bump. And so I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should have this looked at. Turned out I had stage two breast cancer. So I spent all of the rest of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, like a full year dealing with uh, my cancer treatment. And um, and I'm fine cancer-free and had just had my first post-treatment scan. So I'm, I'm all good. Um, but during that process, um, there was a ton of, you know, people really were great about stepping up with prayer and intention and support for me. And then I was doing some very different kinds of magic right and um and so i wanted to put together this this grimoire about it so it's actually it's literally a grimoire it's like a working notebook of magical activity right so and it's um it's totally free and it will never not be free in fact i released it under creative commons so like you can take it and for non-commercial use you can add your own spirits to it you can add your own workings to it you can share it further I want it to go out into the world and maybe help people get through cancer because your story is not unusual. Every time I talk to people about this, it's always like my sister had my brother, you know, my, my uncle, my father, my mother, somebody knows somebody who had cancer. It's like shockingly common. I, you know, I run across more people who have cancer now than I ever do that have COVID interestingly, right? And COVID is this giant epidemic that we're very concerned about and cancer is something that people struggle through alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to put, put this out there to sort of build a sense that, you know, lots of people are going through this and if they're magically operant people, we can get through this together doing magic. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about reading the grimoire was that, you know, it kind of incorporates everything. Because often my worldview is that all of these things, like the spiritual, the mundane, the celestial, all of these realms are interconnected. And so what I really liked about the grimoire was that, you know, you talk openly about the medical side of um the treatments and all of that stuff. And you kind of incorporated the magical alongside with the medical. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. The, thank you. Cause yeah, there seems to be kind of a divide in this stuff where you're either focusing on Western medical treatment, which has its both its flaws and its benefits. Right. I mean, you know, and, or you're focusing yes. on the magical stuff and not both. And I mean, I think it's really, so first of all, I think, you know, I'm not a doctor. You guys aren't doctors. None of us are doctors, right? It's not medical advice, but at the same time, medical advice is not what people who are having cancer treatment need. They're getting all the medical advice from the medical people that they see. This is magical advice because that's the piece that's that's missing. And I, and I had this discussion with a friend of mine some time ago that if you lived in um, 
you know, ancient Alexandria, right? And you had something wrong with you. You'd go to like a, 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 phys- a magical physician, right? And they would, yeah, they'd treat you with the best medicine of the time, but, you know, various herbs or potions or do what they could do. But they would also read the bones, look at the stars, uh, perform the magic, appease the gods. And also tell probably based on that, tell you what to do with your life, right? And it was a package. Now we don't have that. So if you go to, you know, if you go to oncology and you go because you have, uh, you know, you have cancer, they're going to focus very narrowly on their specialty, which probably they should, right? That's what they know really, really well, but they don't know these other things, right? They don't know about Actually, some of them do know a little bit about intention and healing and herbs. They don't know why this stuff works, but they're like, yeah, whatever. But that's where they focus. So you have to fill in these missing pieces yourself. And that's what this book is really about. So, yes, I talk about the people I engaged with during my treatment, you know, and I tried to enchant that process as much as possible. Because I didn't want this big gulf between my medical treatment, which was clinical and machine-based and cold, and then my magical side. I wanted to try to combine them. And this is my effort to do that. I think that's really beautiful because I think that a lot of times we or people go through these experiences and everything is so very sterilized. Um, that it doesn't leave room for your feelings and your personal experience. Um, and so, and the differences that people have given like their life perspective. And so opening up to, and, and also it can, I think that it, these kind of things can feel kind of remove a lot of our, um, personal sovereignty when we're getting this advice right and we want to do these things and we want to move forward with because like we said none of us are doctors um but we do know our bodies and so it's really interesting to be able to kind of put yourself in the center of this and then gather all of your resources and remind yourself that you have there are things that you have choices over. And when you have choices over certain things, that that makes yourself feel more empowered and less kind of, I guess, disempowered or stuck or, you know, that kind of helpless feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I I think that early on in my treatment, I stumbled across, I had a couple of thoughts that turned, it turned, they turned out to be really beneficial, but I'm going, I'm not going to lie and say, well, I spent some quality time thinking about how I would approach cancer magically. No, I didn't. I was in crisis. I had a diagnosis. I And my tumor, while it was stage two, was very aggressive. So everything moved very quickly. Like, they're like, this doubled in size in six weeks. Maybe we should, like, they were like, as soon as they had I had the initial oncology thing, it was like, and tomorrow is surgery, and the day after that is chemo, like literally really that fast. And so I wasn't sitting around contemplating the magical implications, but luckily I came up with a few a few things that I wanted from this that 
early on decisions I made that I think were really powerful. One is that I was going to be as positive and proactive as possible. And that meant that even though you could you could look at it as these medical things being done to me, I was going to energetically and magically participate in it. Right. So when the medicine went into my body, I would try to direct it to the tumor. I would ask it not to harm the rest of my systems. I was trying to engage with it and I was trying to be positive, which, you know, cancer sucks really bad. Like I'm not going to like yeah. you, you risk being all like Pollyanna if you just think good thoughts. Yeah. OK, no, this sucked really bad. But the more positive I could be and the more uh, gratitude I could bring to the things and people helping me, I think the better. I did. And so that was a really good choice. I also, it also occurred to me early on that you want doctors who like you and wish you well. So that's a magical target. Early on when you have energy is when you want to do a lot of externally targeted magic. You get a diagnosis. You're, right now you, you might still feel okay. So call the right doctors to you, ask for omens, ask for the right people to come to you. And then, because uh, later you'll be busy and it'll all turn inward you'll be tired, you'll be, you'll be dealing with this process. But um, I wanted good doctors and I, ha I had really good doctors and I wanted them to like me, which sounds weird, but from a magical standpoint, it's actually really important. I wanted them to, to, to meet me and think this person's, this person's great. I want them to be fine because it, it has an impact. So I was trying to be really positive and, and kind to everyone I met and everyone was really positive back with me. And um, so that was one of these kind of calls I made early on. The other thing is that I am by nature the kind of person who's uncomfortable asking for help. There, there's probably some sort of uh, lesson in here <laughs> during through this experience for me, because I'm like, uh, I, would, I wouldn't want to impose. I'm not going to ask somebody. That's just <laughs> weird. And I can handle it. And I, I, I could do all of it myself. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I decided early on that you want to pray for me, you pray for me. I don't care who, to whom you pray, pray for me, intend for me, send me stuff. You want to give me random advice. I accept it with love, even if the advice is kind of stupid and I'm not going to follow it. Like, you know, sometimes you get crazy advice people like lemons. If you just take the lemons, I appreciate that. Yes. Vitamin C is important, but yeah, but I, I, I decided to accept all help and that was a life changing for me, actually, you know, because I, I feel that, you know, early on, I was telling some of the folks I know online and on RuneSoup and they were, cause I'm like a member and they were like organizing these huge magical intentions for healing for me. That's, that's stunning. How, how much gratitude do I feel for that? How much, how much do I now pray for all of them actually, and that they and their families are well and healthy and happy and prosperous because I do um, because that's the kind of help you need when you go through something like this. You need, you need help. So that's one of my big keys to this is to reach out, ask for the help you need. And I think those decisions early on were uh, more helpful than more healing than I, I would have guessed or known. Right. Cause I wasn't really taking a step back and thinking about it that much. I was just kind of running to, to deal with it, you know, and uh, and that's why I wrote the grimoire, because as I finished the process of treatment, I started thinking I should put this stuff down. This stuff could be useful. You know, this stuff could be helpful to other people. 
Yeah, and we don't always have the time to think about, to really put into words and thought and really think through all the things that we did to get us to where we are. So it's like you're running out of the burning house. You're picking up your cat or your whatever, your kid, <laughs> and running out. You don't have time to think about all the other things. Um, and so, and and then this whole community comes around you to help you get through things. And then once you're on, once your foot kind of steps over the threshold of to the other side, then you're able to like slow it down and, and think. I love the fact that you were talking about, it sounds like, you know, intending for or asking for like the right doctors, for the right oncologist, for the right kind of people, um, and then being always grateful and a good part of the team. Because then instead of you being the patient, you're a team member for for you. Um, and so I think that as far as, and I've, I worked in a hospital for 10 years and, and I think that that does, I don't know if you ingratiate's not the right word, but that does really help for the providers to know that you're a part, you are a part of their team. So they know that if they give you advice or they talk to you, whether or not you take it, that's up to you, but at least you're paying attention. You're listening. And I think that's really important. We're, we're on the yes. same side not on exactly. different sides. Yeah. Also, I think, you know, um, I think as a witch, one of my goals is to look at the world as an enchanted place, right? And some parts of the world are pretty terrible. I think we all know, but a lot of things can be enchanted, can be haunted that you wouldn't think. So the process of chemotherapy was mind blowing for me because, okay, let's be honest here. Cancer treatment is kind of barbaric. Like they're cutting into you. They're giving you poison to try to kill the thing that's the, the part of you that's harming you, right? And it's not a foreign invader. A tumor is you. It's something in you that's gone awry, right? So how can you not own that? But it's barbaric. They're giving you poison and hoping that it kills the bad part without harming the rest of you too much. But um, that's very witchy. That's very, that's very up for being haunted isn't it that's poison path work yes and that was something that I was particularly interested in reading um because I'm really interested in baneful plants because often in the witchcraft communities you know plants such as datura I grow and work with datura a lot they're poisonous but they also have many healing properties as well and oftentimes in medicine with lots of even everyday medicines that people take they harm and heal, you know. All you have to do is go and get a packet of paracetamol and look at the, the little leaflet inside and, you know, you can see all of the possible side effects. Um, so I felt, you know, so I felt that was something really important that you touched on in your book. And it's something I wanted to kind of find out a little more about. So in your practice as a witch was, you know, have you ever... Is working with poison plants something that you would do before the cancer and then the treatment kind of, um, I suppose, not fell into that category, but you kind of saw it as that way? Or tell us a little bit about your magical history and how it all kind of slots into that poison path. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so I've been, I first discovered that there was such a thing as witchcraft when I was kind of an early teen, right? And so I was... I was like, yes, that's that's the thing. But I've been, since I was a kid, I'd been doing kind of the weird little spells. And early on, one of my one of my little 
I was convinced that this, then you're going to find this funny now, but I was literally like six or seven years old. And I was convinced that the seeds of morning glory plants were magical. And so I would spend time in my parents' yard collecting the seeds and breaking them open and collecting the little white powder to do magic with. You know, I was very little. So I'm glad I never thought to eat any of it, right? Like, because that would have been bad. But, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, my practice up till up till having treatment was, it was less, um, it was less, I mean, I, I garden and I love plants and stuff, but it was less plant oriented and more stone and water oriented. I think that was really my like rocks and not just like fancy crystals, but just like rocks from various places. I'm kind of like a dirt collecting kind of witch and, and, um, and, you know, waters, you know, moving water, still water. That, that was kind of a, a place where a lot of my, uh, my my witchcraft which is very uh, you know it's not at all like my my kind of project management magical stuff which is organized right the witchcraft stuff is much wilder and more intuitive and you know a part of me that's kind of more personal so that was my angle on it and then going through this process of being poisoned because I was I had chemo for five months and that's a process of being poisoned with these various poisons the thing was that um I figured early on, it seemed clear to me that I should get chemo and I should focus on, while I'm having the chemo, I should focus on the medicine going to the part of me that's gone wrong and trying to fix it. Like that seems really obvious, right? Like you want the, you want the nasty drug to go to the tumor and you don't want it to go into your, the rest of your system too much, right? Like Liver. magically. <laughs> but then when I, when I really right at the beginning, when I started to think because I was kind of trying to be in meditation and just trying to relax. Because you, when you go to chemo, so for those of you who've never done this, not recommended, right? Like, you know, don't go out and sign up. But if you ever had to go through this, you go to the infusion center and there's like a comfy chair. And the, the infusion nurses are just like these angels, right? They bring you like warm blankets and warm soup and, or, or, and water. And then you sit and you have these chemicals put into you. But you're comfy and you're kind of in your little area and so it's a perfect place to just sort of like put some headphones on and just you know meditate try to relax and but early on I felt these things coming into me like as spirits not just as drugs or chemicals they were like these spirits and I had a ton of really deeply magical sync synchronicity and connections around these so, for example, this one medication I got, it's bright red, and I, it, 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 it sort of came to me when I was having it as kind of a red dragon. And then my oncologist, my medical oncologist, this is not the magical guy, this is like my medical oncologist, he's very medicine, you know, very rational, he called it the, the red devil. It's commonly known as the red devil among oncologists and patients. It's tough on your system, it's bright red, they call it the red devil. And so there were some really fascinating hints for me. And so it was kind of, this is why this is a grimoire, because there's a spirit list in it of the medicines I took and how they appeared to me as entities and then what magic I used to try to rein in those entities and get them on my side, right? Because they're like these poison drugs and their histories are, I didn't look up the histories of them until long after, like after treatment, because I was exhausted, right? And, you know, you, I was anemic and I was sleeping a ton and I was still trying to do all the other stuff I do, right? Because I'm trying to keep myself 
occupied so that my brain doesn't get too despondent, right? So I'm, I'm busy and I'm tired and I'm not, but later I, I looked up to histories and the histories are fascinating. One drug comes from mustard gas, which is, you know, a chemical weapon used to kill thousands of people in World War One and Two. One drug they found in the earth. That dragon was found near a castle in a monastery in France and in the earth, and it's a bacteria, and they, they created the red dragon out of it. Uh, one drug came from uh, the poison yew, the European poison yew tree of Hecate. And, um, it, well, it's actually, it came from the Pacific yew related. It's poisonous, right? But that's where, that's the connection to Hecate, who's associated with the European yew tree. Come on, that's that's weird, deep, magical stuff. And yes. when you go, and then when you go to get the chemo, and they, it's it's like, it's a ritual, right? There's the repeating of the name and the birth date. There's the special clothes that the infusion nurses put on before they give you the poison. You take the poison, and then you are poisoned for two days. I'm a biohazard. After treatment, I was a biohazard for about forty-eight hours. I, if if I had if I threw up or something, it had to be cleaned with gloves and bleach because it was poisonous. No sex, no sharing food, right? Because I literally become poison. And if you if you separate the magical and the medical, you're losing out on both, right? Because not that there's not plenty wrong with our medical and pharmacology systems, right? Not that there's not plenty missing and wrong there, but you know, I've got a tumor. It's doubled in size in six weeks. I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna wait around and try like just herbs because I might die while waiting. Uh, you know, there's points at which you think, you know, this is barbaric, but it's also the medicine that can hopefully fix me the fastest. And um, and so if you divide them, you lose out on both because some of these processes were so incredibly magical to me and enchanted and haunted. And having gone through it now, you know, I could see that by dividing them up in little boxes, we lose out. Right. Can I ask? So you talk about um, how barbaric the chemo is um, and you're literally poisoned. You know, you can't share food with someone you know all of those things that we kind of think of as human contact you know all of those things that when you're feeling a little bit down or under the weather you know you want to cuddle with someone you want to do something you want that connection so did you find that the spirit work aspect of the treatment did it kind of help not replace that closeness but did it help kind of bridge that gap and I suppose not make it easier because it's not an easy thing in and of itself but did it kind of help? So it sort of gave me context for it, right? Like, let's say that you're, um, and fortunately, you know, I went, I went, at first I went every other week, but then I went every week. So for two days of every week, I was a bit, but that doesn't mean I can't hug somebody either, right? So, but what it did is it gave me context for the process, right? Like if I, let's say that I decide that I'm not going to eat for a day or two, um, I'll be hungry and maybe cranky. If I'm doing it, because of a health or spiritual reason, it gives context to it and it's easier to do it, right? Rather than just doing it for, so, like if I had just done, if this was just done to me, 
you know, they poisoned me and now I can't do stuff. And there's a real, there's a real way you could see that as very cranky making. Really? Seriously? So you put the shit in me and it's not only, you know, busy destroying my stomach lining and giving me nosebleeds and right. Cause the way, the way chemo works is, and it's weird to talk about something that can like heal somebody who might otherwise die um, as barbaric, but honestly what it does is it kills all the fast moving cells in your system. So the ones in charge of your hair follicles, for example, they die, your hair falls out. The ones in your stomach lining, anything that grows quickly. And that's because cancer grows quickly. Now, I'm really excited about uh, immunotherapies, which is kind of the, the, the leading edge of cancer treatment, which talk about magical. Those are therapies where they teach your immune system to deal with your, um, your, you know, your, your misguided cells themselves. Wow, it's like that's not magic right there. My kind of cancer didn't have an immunotherapy, but I have I know some uh, several people who had that. And it's still not an easy treatment to go to, but it's that's the leading edge of it. What we do now is we kill off all the fast moving cells and we hope that it kills off the the tumor. But if you can if you can come if you can meet it halfway in a spiritual sense, it just it makes it it does, it makes it easier. Right? It doesn't make it easy, but that's not that's not magic is odds manipulation. If it, if it turned it from like sucks a thousand percent to sucks a hundred percent, that's better. And if it can make, we can, if it can get it even better than that, that's better. Right. Well, I also like the aspect of participating, you know, you're participating in the thing that you're going through instead of it being this thing that you're going through. Which for me is very left hand. You know, we talk about the left hand path and it being about, you know, will and all of those things. Um, and not being passive so for me the connections are really you know very obvious yeah we don't always have good choices <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have some choices and that's better than nothing right so at least um, I like that that you can see all of the ritual and the thing that you're going through um and I remember talking with you about the red dragon before being like a bacteria from a castle and, you know, just really fascinating stuff that if you can meet that as a spirit instead of it just being this thing inflicted upon you, I think is really, I guess I will use the word again, empowering in a place where you really don't have a lot of choices. Right. I mean that yeah that's exactly right. You can choose to you can choose to do the thing that they're offering or you can choose to not do the thing that they're offering. But um you know the other thing is that you can choose to seek out all the complementary therapies yourself as well. That's 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 definitely a choice you have to deliberately make. So I was lucky in that uh, where I live kind of in the city we have several good hospital systems and one of the things they have is integrative medicine which again is this very sort of magical thing where these specialists in this field, they're the ones who tell you uh, supplements to take, um, you know, when, you, you know, they're the ones to tell you to go to acupuncture. I got a referral to a great acupuncturist who specializes in chemo patients. And they're the ones that can, you can sign stuff off on like, um, you know, my oncologist isn't going to be able to tell me whether the anti-cancer medicinal mushroom blend I'm taking is somehow contraindicated. But she can. She can be like, yeah, that's great. Do that. Absolutely. 
because the weird thing is once you're in this process of going through these uh, these pretty invasive and serious medical treatments, everything has to go through that perspective, right? You can't, I mean, like, because you could do something that would be totally fine otherwise that might derail or make a side effect worse or something. So there's a sort of sense at which you're, you know, you're a little bit of a loss. So, um, so this integrative medicine person was wonderful through that. And she recommended many of the other pieces that I sought out. My, my acupuncturist was absolutely stunning and definitely much more, you know, much, much more out of that box of kind of Western medicine, right? Obviously acupuncture is considered bit odd by some people still, although it's not for me. And um, my integrative medicine lady told me a story that um, an oncologist once introduced a patient to her by saying, we don't know what she does, but people who see her do better. So do what she says. And that's a real, and that's about as much acceptance as you're going to get. The oncologists have no clue. They're like, really, what you eat can have an impact? Uh, curcumin i don't what this is what i don't understand and at the same time they know it works and that people do better in treatment and get through treatment more easily if they if they seek out this other stuff and do it and that's essentially magical in itself isn't it you know when you talk about rituals and stuff when you're trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't practice magic at all it's really hard to because when you talk amongst other practitioners, you know that they have a, a level of understanding, you know, what we mean by these terms and all of that kind of thing. So, and, you know, we can explain the mechanics of a ritual, but I don't know how it works. You know, how does it work? I don't know. So for me, that sounds inherently magical anyway. I think that um, if you find medical doctors who they don't understand the magic or get it at all, but they're at least slightly open to it. That's a big win right there. So I would be a chemo. And um, so the one medicine, the dragon would get um, infused directly. Like the, usually they just put it on a little pump and they leave you alone to like drink your soup and nap or whatever it is you're going to do. And she would, but she would sit and she would inject it directly. And I would be kind of, putting my hands on my, my tumor. And she kind of looked at me and I said, I, I'm telling the medicine where to go. And she said, that's so smart. She's like, yes, people who try to make it work better, it works better. And that's an infusion nurse who's, you know, you know that I'm not going to expect her to know like, yes, all hail the, the great dragon. And we're going to, you know, it's not magical, but she gets it. She gets that. um, taking a role, participating, working with your own body, listening to your own body, like you're saying, that that's powerful, right? And that it actually helps people. That's funny, it rem because it reminded me of this one thing that you were writing about in the grimoire of, um, and now I can't, the nocebo effect. So like, yeah, they are, so these infusion nurses are seeing all kinds of interesting things. Like they can see the people that are like intending and being a part of this process, having better outcomes. And then, um, and so they don't really have a lot of studies on that. They just see that as like anecdotal stuff, right? But there are studies about, kind of other things like the nocebo effect. Like if I tell you you're going to have this, that you could have this um, side effect, then you're more likely to have this side effect. And there are studies about that. And so like there is, a, it's interesting how there are the studies that show 
the negative aspects because they are I, I don't know if it's they're easier to show or more interesting to people. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think that um, the nocebo effect is fascinating, right? So it's the inversion of the placebo effect. So an official looking person in a white coat with a stethoscope tells you this pill is going to make you better. It's going to be make you better, even if it's sugar, right? Like even if it's not anything in it, right? If it's a placebo and that's well known in medicine. So for those who don't know, the nocebo effect is the reverse, which is that if you tell somebody they're going to be sick or they're going to have a side effect or they're going to have a problem, they're more likely to be sick and go through it. So when I started treatment, they gave me like this huge fat binder full of every side effect and possible problem. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not looking at that. I just tossed that in the corner and I never looked at it. And yeah, I would have side effects. Let's be honest with you. You're going to have some stuff, right? But I, when I have something, I'd be like, so the nosebleeds then are, yeah, nope, that can happen. Here's something to try for that, right? Yeah. But so for example, after months of chemo, and one of the things that was the most, so I did well in chemo, I no longer have cancer, right? So if you're doing magic, you hopefully want some kind of result. I, that's the result I wanted, no more cancer. But also there was some stuff that really floored the doctors. Like I gained 10 pounds during chemo. And I kept going in going, dang, I gained a lot of weight. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Please gain weight. Because most people lose a ton of weight and it's very hard on their systems and it makes it even hard. And I'm just like, and that's because, um, you know, my husband is, is a magician and a chef. He was a chef for many years and he would make me food and I and I had people intending for me. And so I feel like that's a really tangible thing that I did maybe better than than I might have if I hadn't had this intention and magic on my side. Right. So but I. I have these I didn't. I So some side effects I certainly did have and some I didn't so much. But then after months of treatment, the, the, the oncologist goes, do you have any heartburn? Because like a lot of people get heartburn. I hadn't had a day of heartburn, but that night I had heartburn. And the next time I saw that doctor, I said, you know what? Don't, don't tell me. I don't get heartburn and I don't want to hear about any of that because you <laughs> said it and then I had it. And she was like, well, that's odd. Okay. Yep. Fine. I'm like, I told her, don't mess with my suspension of disbelief because I do really well with this and I don't get those. Side and I was really like dictatorial. I'm like, I don't get side effects. And of course I'm having the side effects while I'm saying it, but that's what magical intention is like, right? You say the outcome you want and hopefully it's better. The, the other, the other outcome that I think apart from just getting through it and not having cancer, which is great. The other outcome that was really sort of surprising was how did how well I did during radiation. So at the end of this whole process, the, the surgery and the chemo and the follow-on surgery where they remove the rest of the tumor, and then you have radiation. And the radiation oncologist was like the coolest the guy ever. I loved him. He was so sweet. And his whole office was just filled with wonderful, kind, life-affirming people because he was like this wonderful, kind, life-affirming doctor. And... Um, radiation it's not as hard on you it gives you sun like a sunburn and you it can get you you can get pretty red maybe start to blister i had a really good every time i would see him i saw him weekly i go for it radiation every single day and it takes like it takes like three minutes but like you i drive over there and i go in and i lie down and they zap me and then i leave right every day five days a week on fridays i would see the doc and every week he'd be like your skin is amazing what are you using 
I told I told him about my neighbor's essential oil ointment blend that she made me, but I didn't tell him about the sphere and sundry materia I added to it because he was he couldn't quite go that far, right? But yeah, because he was like, your 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 neighbor should market this stuff because your skin is doing really well and you're not because you can't put anything on before, but like after treatment you want to put on some kind of lotion. He was just like. Put on something without alcohol, put on something without a lot of fake scent because it could irritate your skin. But I'm all like with my magic ointment. You know? <laughs> it's great because it just shows like um, the difference that one can have if you have a community of kind of magical thinking or, you know, other thinking people that can kind of put those things into your life, just like the integrative medicine. And it's that same thing, but in a, in a wider sphere um, because we are integrating so many different magical aspects. And just like you said, I will take, I will take your advice, even if it is seemingly absurd, I will gratefully listen to that um, because we don't know everything. <laughs> and we also know that, that Western medicine doesn't know everything. And I, I, what I really like about the, the grimoire is like, I have a lot of difficult, I mean, I have a lot of difficulties like in the, my thoughts when it comes to Western medicine and how I think that sometimes we make people like we can cause illness, right. With the things that we're doing. Um, but I also worked in trauma for seven years and, um, see so many important aspects of Western medicine that are really helpful to people. We don't want to throw everything out. Um, and this is just showing that like, yeah, sometimes people get cancer and we need to do something about this thing. A lot of people get cancer, unfortunately. Um, it seems more and more like you were saying, um, you meet more people that have had cancer than that have then have had COVID. And, um, Right. Yeah. And so a lot of us have had really horrible experiences with the Western medical system. Um, but that doesn't mean that we want to get rid of it. We want to use it as a part of a tool belt, a toolkit, and listen to these doctors that know what they're talking about as far as cancer is concerned, and then add in what we can. And, and it just reminds me, oncology reminds me of trauma in that it is helpful, like, it isn't one of those things that you can just, you're not going to wish it away. You're not going to wish your arm unbroken. You're not going to wish, and, and I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be trite. You know what? I'm, I'm just saying like you, there's certain things that you can't use healing herbs for. And that is where some things in Western medicine really come in handy and useful. And, and we need to like really put efforts into separating our ideas on how shitty it can be with how useful it can be. Well, and I think, I think this is really valid because I had a good experience with my oncologists. My oncologists were like, they were like a high priesthood, right? They, they knew the thing that they knew. They didn't like heresy much, but they did the thing that they did and it, it worked out for me. Um, but let's let's be a little bit hard on western medicine because it has some serious structural flaws and problems that are also real things first of all it is very much trauma oriented it's all about waiting until you get really sick 
and then doing something. Whereas the other complementary therapies are more about staying healthy and getting through any trauma better, but staying healthy to begin with. The, the other thing, of course, is that um, in the United States, and this is the only medical system I can speak for, we are a first world country with first world medical expenses, and we have an absolutely third world medical system that we are forced to deal with. This like Byzantine, horrible bureaucratic nightmare of insurance approvals and, and you know, un uncovered procedures and all this kind of BS. The thing to remember with that is that your doctors know it's bullshit too. And they are absolutely can be on your side in getting around whatever nonsense these these big corporations throw up in your way. So one of the flaws with the, with the system we have is, of course, this capitalist thing that we have to throw all of, up all over everything we try to do. Healing, yay, nurses and doctors got into this to heal people. And now we throw all this goo on top of uh, like having to have insurance to get good care or having to like get approvals or having to have a wait list or whatever it is, right? So there's that piece of it, which is, disgusting and oppressive and awful and takes what is a very magical act, which is to heal and be a healer and kind of tries to, to, to squelch it. The other thing, though, <laughs> to be blunt, is that Western medicine doesn't know what Western medicine knows. At the end of the grimoire, I recommend this book called Anti-Cancer, right? And it's, it's an interesting recommendation because the book was written by a, um, a psychiatrist, a Western medical doctor who was doing research into the brain. And during his research process, um, I guess one of his student guinea pigs showed up late, right? Cause he's putting them in a scanner and, you know, putting like showing them, showing them photos and trying to, you know, it's like research on how the brain works. He got in the scanner and said, and then his two research partners were like, uh, we got some news for you. He had a fat brain tumor. So in the process of dealing with his own tumor, right? Which, um, came back twice and eventually killed him, but 20 years later than it might have otherwise done, he was doing a ton of research into what actual medical research says about these other aspects, what you eat, how you breathe, right? Oh, you know, um, the, the, the supplements and complementary things you do. And what's fascinating to me and why I recommended the book is one, um, my integrative medicine lady recommended it to me and I wish she'd done it 10 years ago. Like, cause it's not, it's not about it's, it can help with healing cancer, but it's really about not getting cancer in the first place, which let me tell you, that is the preferred model where you don't get it because once you get it, it sucks really bad. And you know, some people die. So to avoid getting it is, um, I, I think, you know, gotta be the goal. And this book talks about, ways to avoid getting cancer or ways to get through cancer. But the thing, the underlying theme of the book and why I recommend it, despite the fact that it's very Western medical oriented, right? Is because there's this common underlying theme that there's all this research that shows that something is effective. Uh, deep rhythmic breathing or whatever is effective for, for, for healing. And yet no modern doctors know any like really know anything about this research, right? It's not in their field. They're not paying attention. Or um, another great one is turmeric, right? So this Indian doctor discovered that the 
these patients who were eating lots of curry had uh, better outcomes and fewer incidents of certain kinds of cancers and illnesses. And so he started doing some analysis. And I got to be honest with you, the rich white doctors were all like, yeah, well, that kind of sounds stupid. We don't believe you. Right. I mean, could talk about systemic structural problems in our medical system. Right. But what he discovered is that the co compound in turmeric uh, has these anti-inflammatory and therefore anti-cancer properties. Well, great. So they started uh, they started selling turmeric everywhere. But guess what? Turmeric by itself doesn't really work. It's not bioavailable. It has to be mixed with substances like ginger or garlic or black pepper because these uh, traditional food ways before the horrible Western diet with our Twinkies and our cola came along have these healing properties. And this comes back to kind of like the witchy model of plants and herbs. So it's not just about the poisons, but it's also just about how what we take into ourselves all the time can be healing. And so I found the book fascinating, not just because, yes, I'm now drinking green tea every day because because reasons right but also just because it demonstrates how um you know your doctor's not going to know this stuff you know the typical doctor only gets a few hours of nutritional learning yeah yeah and and it's they're in and they're indoctrinated into a belief system where uh, I think I know I've worked with doctors and nurses and, and I have been poo-pooed lots of times for like different kind of removing things from my diet or that are, that are hard. Like you can't take wheat out of your diet. That is something that you need. And they like, I've had doctors use the food pyramid. The food pyramid? Are you fucking – I mean, sorry. Are you kidding me? That's absurd. Um, and so, like, I, I see – if ever there was a matrix <laughs> that people are sucking off energy, it to me, the, our, the United States medical system is the perfect example of that. Um, sick people are batteries for corporations to make money. They sell us the thing that makes us sick, and then they create the drugs – that will cure the illness. Um, and so it's like this really great, like there's a, Paul used to work on a, a floor of the hospital and it was named the eternal grief and suffering. And they would just kind of cycle through and we would just get so, the hospital just makes so much money from Medicare and Medicaid. And they're just like cycling people and making more money and making more money. Um, and and so I do think that there is a lot wrong with the system. <laughs> but um, and this is one thing I really want to I really want to call out too is that um, so if you approach if you approach illness and healing as a relational model, the the, pe the prayers people are sending you, the relationships with the spirits, the relationships with the doctors, the relationships with each other, those are human beings relating in a system which is potentially sick and you're a system that's potentially sick right so my doctors weren't like ha now you have cancer and i'm going to yeah. extract money from you you know they're <laughs> rubbing their hand no these were absolutely people who had dedicated great amounts of brain power and time and effort to learning about how to help people 
who are in are in crisis and trauma, and they're absolutely caring. And I don't just mean the nurses who always have a reputation for being super caring. And honestly, the infusion nurses, there's a rough gig, right? Yeah. Everyone you see is in pretty dire straits and getting some pretty serious drugs. But the doctors too, I found were very kind and and I'm putting that out there, one, because I want I don't want to cast aspersions. I'm grateful for every one of them. It's almost like it's institutionalized capitalism. You know, when we talk about institutionalized racism, you know, people often get upset because it feels like you're saying this person who does this job is racist. And that's not, you know, and I guess it's the yeah. same kind of thing. It's not the doctors themselves. It's that whole institution. Right. We don't want to put it on the people that are doing the work. It's the structure that they're working in that is the problem. There are so many people within that structure that are doing everything that they can to make people better, to make the system better. But like you can only do so yes. much within yeah. that system. Yeah, you, can, so, you don't get the change yeah. unless you change that system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right because if you think about these structural problems in systems, this is the, it goes all the way back to the researcher who's talking about turmeric is not getting taken seriously because of the kinds of people who eat it and the countries that they that they live in and the way that they are and a history a whole history of colonialism basically behind this decision to poo-poo research which then eventually after he'd been working on it for like 15 years came out to be absolutely true and that these that these substances in curcumin and turmeric and, and that go into making curry can be healing and help with illness and help you from getting sick. Great, but that's 15 years that we couldn't just tell people, shoot, you don't even have to tell people to eat curry. You just say, look, here's a here's some here's some stuff, here's a pill that has and now when you buy, ironically, when I bought a bottle of turmeric because I wanted to mega dose, and uh, my integrative medicine specialist was like, you go right ahead. Um, I, cause I, I actually really enjoy curry and we, we cook it pretty regular, but I also needed to like get a lot in me. I came with pepper and these other compounds in it now because now they know, but that's 15 years that they've been ignoring this guy and his research. And that's the, the theme. This is the system that's sick and the people within it are doing their very best jobs. And if you run across someone who's been, if you run across someone who's been totally sickened by the system you know, a physician who's uncaring, who doesn't see you as a person. Again, that's that's a great magical tar target. And you don't always have options, right? That's really hard. Here, where I live, I have a lot of options because we have like these two, we have one of the largest teaching hospitals and you know, we have a big teaching hospital on the hill. We have a whole other hospital. So I think we have two more, right? So I have, they all collaborate on these cancer centers. And so I had a lot of, I had choices. Not everybody does. And so that's a good magical target to try to connect with the right physicians for you and who see you as a person who haven't been too sickened by the system. Because sickened by the system is why we get cancer to begin yeah. with. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. this this guy in the anti-cancer book, he talks, and I should have his name ready and I just don't have it on me. Um, but he talks about how it's not just that we're living longer. There is just more cancer. Yeah. There's more cancer now than there was 50 years ago. It's not just because we live long enough to get cancer because there's way more cancer of the youth. Yeah. And while things like stomach cancer have dropped because we have better food preservation and stuff, other cancers 
uh, have just shot way up, including breast cancer. And it's from, there's, there's these, you know, when you personally get cancer, there's not a lot you can figure out about why, like it doesn't do you a lot of good to sit around wondering why you got cancer. But um, when bodies of people, when statistically groups of people are getting more cancers, you can point to how we eat and the chemicals in our environment and, and how we live. Yeah, because it happens also regionally, like their incidence of cancer is really high in certain areas. And so you can look and see what's going on in those areas, like what chemicals are going into the food and the water and, you know, getting into people's systems. So you can look at that, but you don't always know. And it could, it's probably a combination of so many things that we are doing to ourselves, including the way we push ourselves to work. Um, and I think we don't ask for help. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all of that. And, and this would be my, you know, if somebody out there is listening to this and they, they have a, they have someone they're close to who has a diagnosis, or maybe they have a diagnosis. The one thing I will say is, um, from my point of view, and you know, you can't know everybody else has got to take their own path through this. Like you can't ever speak for anybody else's path. You can't ever tell anybody else what to do. But from my point of view, yes, I took a look at the things I was doing in my life and vowed to stop doing some of those, which could be harmful, right? So my diet wasn't terrible. It's better. I'm much more mindful of my skincare and what goes on my skin. Uh, I'm never coloring my hair again because at the point at which I was diagnosed just a few months before there was a study that showed that permanent hair dye causes exactly the kind of breast cancer I have. Great. I've been dyeing my hair for, you know, a couple decades at that point. So there's, there's actual changes that I looked at and made, but there's also, um, there's also sort of a, an emotional component, right? Like the way I push myself or the way I don't ask for help or the way I, I don't say the thing that makes me sad and I hold it inside. Got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got help doing that. I have like a great, I have a a Jungian therapist, amazing, right? A dream speaker of my own to help me sort through that. And then finally, sometimes shit just happens and you didn't do it and didn't cause it. And you could, I mean, it's no point worrying about it now. So when, because I think there's this risk that you just in our, especially in our very, hyper individualistic society that you beat yourself up. Oh, now I gave myself cancer. I said, no, not the right view. You can decide to be more mindful of the things you, you put on you or in you, or you can be more mindful of the things that maybe uh, the hurts inside that might help your body hurt itself, right? Like I'm not going to say that bad thoughts cause cancer because that's a bunch of crap. But when you have pains in your emotional state, that can cause pains in your physical system as they're related. And then, you know, sometimes bad shit just happens. And we got to get through it. It's going through this process was uh, initiatory and it was a big life change for me. I mean, I don't have to blow up my whole life because my, my life is pretty good. I'm not like going off to Europe for six months to find myself because I'm, because, <laughs> and then I, and then I would have a, a, a successful book and movie based on that. No, I, I, that's not my style. I don't have to blow up my whole life, but uh, I'm approaching things differently. Uh, my attitudes have fundamentally changed. And I really enjoyed as well towards the end of the book. And I think you sum it up really, um, neatly with the last four kind of or four or five bullet points on 
how to live. Bear with me, I'm just scrolling through. So yeah, the lessons of the poison path. I really enjoyed um, the last part and that included because, you know, you talk about all the things we've kind of discussed today. Um, so gather your supports around you and all of that kind of thing, point your magic inward, because I think so often we don't. I feel like in the magical community, oftentimes... Um, and I don't mean this in a whole, we always talk, talk like this. When I say the love and light community, you guys know, you know, I guess I'm talking about the toxic um, love and light, you know. Um, and all of these things that you talk about in the book, I feel fly directly against those things because it's about seeking help and it's about looking inward. And we don't often tend to do that. I guess because society um, and the capitalist culture kind of dictates that we don't concentrate on ourselves and we focus our energies on all of these other things instead. So I really enjoyed that part. Thank you. Thank you. And so if you want to know what my, my kind of four keys to getting through a cancer diagnosis is go download the grimoire and read it. It's actually, to be honest with you, it's short. It's hardly a book. It's really more like a booklet because if you have a diagnosis, you don't have time to go through 300 pages, right? So like it's short and it's again, it's free. It will never not be completely free. There's no cat. You don't have to sign up for my mailing list. You don't have to look at my project. Go directly to the link, download it, share it widely, do the magic, help yourself and help the people you know who may be dealing with cancer. And that's, um, that's my wish for, for this project is that it go out and multiply and network and get out into the world. Right. And that, and, that. and that has nothing to do with kind of my little business or my little, none of that. Like, forget that for a second. Yes, I hustle. Yes, I'm project management oriented. <laughs> and I like to be, I like to, I like to reach my goals and achieve them. The goal here is that um, if this, some of this stuff helps other people, then, um, then that's what I want. I want it to go out and to help. And, and I must say that the response has been, extraordinary i'm having people emailing me and talking about their experiences which is incredibly moving i've also having um magically operant oncologists call me which is stunning oh, like wow. oh, we need amazing. more people who are like oncology nurses and training in this field who know magic and want to do magic on behalf of their patients absolutely so the wider this goes the better and that's just what i would ask of any of you even if it's even if it doesn't resonate with you personally because you're healthy, which is great. Keep doing that. Be healthy. Healthy is better. Everyone probably knows someone or knows someone who knows someone who has had cancer. Yeah. And actually, um, I found it really a really useful read anyway. You know, so whether you have cancer or not, I reckon it's well worth a read just for the lessons we can take in um you know, transfer to the other parts of our life or to other illnesses perhaps. I found it fascinating, uh, yeah. I, I, and, and it gave me a perspective on cancer treatment that I had never considered before, because at first yeah. I was like, what? The, the ritual of, and then, you know, as you're talking about it and reading about it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember my mom going every day, and then they sit in this place, and then these people come, and I was like, oh man, that is really fascinating. And it, so it does give a perspective that I hadn't ever considered. So I think that it is useful regardless for people that also 
yeah as an animist it really did because you know i i'm an animist in my practice in my life view but really you don't really consider that when we we come to medicine so i found it really fascinating how you talk about the spirits of the medicine and all of that kind of stuff so thank you so much I'm so glad that you wrote this book and that it is available to everybody for free. And I really highly encourage everyone to go and look at um, that booklet. I also encourage people to to look at your website, though, because yeah. I think that your work is really fascinating. I love project management. You um, came on and did a podcast with me on Magic Cool Podcast where we talked about that because I was a project manager at a hospital and I... I find it fascinating in the in the, the nerdiest of ways. Um, and so I I recommend anybody go look at everybody go look at your site for that kind of information too. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you, Ivy? Oh, such a good segue. Um, so yeah, everything runs through my website on uh, circlethrice.com. And um, the like I said, the cancer grimoire is right there in the main menu, so you can go straight to it. And then I have, you know, my goal is that um, the, the, you know, like 90% free content. And then, yes, there's some stuff I've got you can buy. So, yeah, I got to be honest with you. Got to pay for my hosting well, we, fees. We got to live. We got to eat. We all got to live. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, I have a newsletter that goes out. I have, um, I, you know, I have some little free guides that you, you get if you sign up. That's kind of my more normal pitch. And then I do consult with people I like. Uh, do magical project management consulting for clients, like, like private clients. And I have like a monthly membership where you get like a planner, like you get a monthly planner, but it's a magical planner. So it's not just at 10 a.m. I go to the dentist. It's like this day is good for these <laughs> things because of planetary alignments around this. Uh, right? So I have some of those things. Out. You should totally check that out. Um, I, I, but I have some of these, I have some of these kind of little products and things, but you can always just sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Read the blog. It's free. Follow me on Twitter. Totally free. And above all, the Cancer Grimoire, it, I want it to like, don't just take it, but like, if you're going through treatment and you have insights to add, if you worked with different spirits than I did, and you'd like to add them to the spirit list, that would be that would be amazing. And then if you let me know, I'll put it back on the site with full credit to you, because I, I imagine we could create a, a real deep like I had three chemo drugs, but there's dozens and dozens. So if someone else had different ones and could kind of find a spiritual path to access those, give it back to me, then we could kind of collaborate on this wider, deeper grimoire that gets bigger and helps more people with more different kinds of cancers. Oh, Ivy, thank you so much. It's amazing. That's I was amazing. sitting here envisioning people like going to put in, <laughs> putting this grimoire in, in the like in the infusion center, just like in with all the magazines and the books and the stuff. So like somebody like picks it up as they're like, what is this? Interesting. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Paul, we'll put all of your information in the show notes because we really hope that we really encourage everybody. Yes. And we'll share it all across social media as well. We really want this to get out there. It's such a fabulous book. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to Paul, because he's going to have to go back and deal with all the, the weird pauses, because we really, just, <laughs> I think it's, I, I'm gonna, just going to blame the, the kind of the storm for it. But yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of a lag today, but it was so lovely talking with you both. Good luck with the podcast. I think it's amazing. And I'm definitely excited about uh, listening from now on and see what other guests you have. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for um, hanging in with us. Bye.
good friend. Let me learn it properly from my guru, Sanalji.